you identify your unique gift and then you um, master that unique gift and that unique gift will give you 10x results. Mm -hmm. And the no more nuanced that unique gift is, the more specialized and valuable oh, okay. it will be. Welcome to the Threefold Real Estate Investing Podcast. This is the podcast where you'll not only learn how you can achieve massive success in multifamily real estate investing, but also how you can simultaneously pursue great relationships with your family and a better walk with God. You can achieve financial freedom through real estate investing without sacrificing the relationships that mean the most to you. Now, here's your host, Lee Yoder. Welcome back, Threefold listeners. I hope you're having a great summer week this week. We've got an awesome guest today. Joe Fairless is joining us from right here in Cincinnati. Uh, somebody I've been following for a long time, learned a lot from. Uh, so really excited to, to get him on the podcast. Just a little bit about him and then we'll bring him in. He is the co-founder of Ashcroft Capital, which at the time that he sent me the bio, they had 2.7 billion under management, uh, maybe more now. But in, in addition to his responsibilities with Ashcroft Capital, Joe created the podcast, the best ever real estate, uh, or sorry, best real estate investing, investing advice ever show, uh, it's kind of a mouthful, which is the longest running daily real estate podcast in the world and generates over 500,000 monthly downloads. He's currently also a Junior Achievement Board member, volunteer for the Cincinnati chapter, and has been recognized by the Junior Achievements Free Enterprise Society. Joe volunteers at Crossroads Hospice and was recognized as Multifamily Investor of the Year by Think Realty Magazine. He and his wife, um, again, right here in Cincinnati, created the Best Ever Causes, which has proudly supported 60, 65 different nonprofits over the last 60 months. Doing a lot there and then a lot more to get into. But Joe, first of all, thanks so much for coming to the show, man. Hey, I appreciate it. Looking forward to our conversation. Yeah, me as well. Um, Joe, real quick, can you give us just a little bit of background? I mean, you know, from zero to, to 2.7 billion is a lot, but just a little bit about how uh, how and why you got into real estate and maybe just real quick kind of bring us up to speed uh, to today. How and why I got into real estate? Uh, well, we'll start with the why. The why is because I uh, was... I had a thousand dollars that I had saved and I was in New York city. I'm from Texas originally graduated and then from Texas tech went to New York city and, um, was making $30,000 a year in New York city. Doesn't, doesn't get you much, doesn't get you too far in New York city, but I kept my living expect expenses really low, especially for uh, New York city standards. And then I got promoted in my W2 job, which was advertising, and so as I got promoted, I climbed the corporate ladder, made more money, and eventually I had a thousand bucks that I could invest somewhere, didn't know anything about investing, ended up um, putting it into a CD with Bank of America. And then after 12 months of them holding my only thousand dollars hostage, they gave me about 20 bucks in return. Wow. Uh, nice. And then they, they taxed me or they, the government <laughs> taxed me on that. And I was like, wait a second, this, this isn't the, the thing I want to be doing. And so I started studying up on real estate, uh, did single family homes, bought four of them in Texas while living in New York city, started teaching a class because people were curious how I was doing it. Mm. And then I had someone attend the class and he said, if you ever do something larger, let me know. So I knew I had customers before I had a product. Mm, uh, so yeah. investors before I had an apartment building. 
Uh, and I realized with the single family homes, the cash flow just, um, it didn't, it, they cash flowed, but then when someone would move out, uh, there goes 5,000 bucks right. and there goes the profits for the last year and a half for that house. So yeah. I, I knew it, it just wasn't the way it wasn't happening how I wanted it to. So I brought in investors and I ended up buying my first apartment building, uh, or controlling it. Technically it wasn't a purchase it was a master lease with option to purchase here in Cincinnati. That's what brought me to Cincinnati. That property did not go well. I lost money, paid back investors plus 14% out of my, out of my own pocket over a course of two, two and a half years. Uh, and then I learned what I, uh, what I should do and what I shouldn't do. And, uh, I stopped doing what I shouldn't do. And I started doing more of what I should do. Found a business partner who complimented my strengths and we formed Ashcroft and that's where we're at. You've bought a few apartment buildings since. Bought a few apartment buildings since yeah. and have had 26 exits wow. with an average return of 25.6% net to investors. Uh, that's not anything that we project, but that's that's what we've yeah. done. On, yeah. On, on those oh deals. man, incredible, incredible, Joe. So much we could get into there. Um, I want to say, you know, I've heard you tell your story about that first apartment building, and I always appreciate how um, open and honest you are about that, how humble you are about that, because it really allows other people to learn. And I know um, you have a passion for that, and that shows when you tell your story of that first apartment. Um, that you controlled uh, that really did not go well. Um, it's really incredible. The, the most incredible part of the story is how you stayed so true to your word. And I remember you saying, you know, I was at a conference and you said, I had no idea how I was going to pay, pay my investors back, uh, but I told them I was going to do it. And and you did it. I, I can't imagine, you know, you didn't give all the details about how you scratched and clawed to get back there, but really incredible story. Um, I'm sure you've told it before. So I, I want to get into some of the other stuff so bad. I'm going to skip that part, even though it's so good. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to you know, give you kudos for that, uh, for doing it in the first place, but then also being open about it. It's really been helpful for people like me to, to, to learn, uh, from you being so open. So, um, appreciate that. But, um, Joe, you know, as you, so you rebounded from that, you found that partner. Um, that's kind of more what I want to get into Joe is like how you go from, Hey, I, I believe in real estate. Um, you know, you kind of had some different iterations that did single family, you know, a little bit of proof of concept, but then going, and these cash flow until again someone moves out or until I got to replace a roof and then you know other things like they don't scale very well it's it's hard to you know buy a hundred single family homes and stuff like that so you're kind of moving through and and getting the business but then you realize you need to add a a business partner can you tell me a little bit more about what you mean by I realize I need to do more of what I should do and and do less of or not do what I shouldn't do what do you mean by that I, I'm reading right now this book 10x is easier than 2x mm. and. He puts it a lot more succinctly than I ever have. Yeah. Uh, and and that is that you identify your unique gift and then you um, master that unique gift and that unique gift will give you 10x results. Mm. And the no more nuanced that unique gift is, the more specialized and valuable oh, okay. it, it will be. Yeah. So now let's let's talk in practical terms. Um, as, with apartment syndication, there are three components as I know you've, you've heard me talk about, you gotta have the money, you gotta have deals and you gotta be able to execute the business plan. Yep. And, uh, you know, in, in apartment with apartment buildings, commercial real estate, you're, you're competing against seasoned a lot of times, not always Oh yeah. Se yeah. seasoned professionals who have, who, who know what they're doing, have decades of experience. And on that first deal. I did all three of those components, money, found, the de found the money, found the deal, and attempted to execute the business plan. Yep. And uh, I realized that 
I was not good at uh, finding the right deal and executing on the business plan, putting together the business plan and then executing on it. So what I mean by doing more things that I should do is, well, I should do things that I'm uniquely talented at, and I shouldn't do things that I am not talented at. Yeah, right. And, and so, you know, when when we're as business owners, um, it's not even pro, it's not even apartment syndication specific. It's any type of business. Uh, first, you identify yeah. uh, what are the skill sets needed to be successful in this business. Second, you determine based on those skill sets needed to be successful in this business, which skill sets do I have that I can do really well? And then you do those things. And third is those other things that that are required to be successful in the business that you don't do well. You find someone or someones who do do those things well. Yeah. No, it's really good. Joe. As you're talking, it's making me think of like, I love how you put, you know, you're competing against seasoned, you know, re really good investors. And it made me think like, sometimes people will reach out to me and, you know, Hey Lee, how can I get into apartment investing? And, and a lot of times they have a full-time job and I'll often say, you know, it's going to be really hard. Like kind of what makes you necessarily think you're going to be able to compete with people that are doing it full-time. And because it's really hard. Like if I'm doing it full-time and I'm looking for deals full-time and I'm then operating my deals full-time, how would you, I mean, how much better than me do you have to be to be able to do a full-time job and do this better than me? Right. And now I'm thinking, Joe, like that next level is going, well, I'm kind of doing all three of those parts to a large degree. And I've been a partner and trying to build this out. And that's what I want to get to next. Um, how am I going to be better than your team, Joe, when I'm, I mean, I must think I'm really good. If I think I can do all three of those things, find the deal, find the money, operate the deal as well as your team where all you're doing, Joe, is finding the money. You got another guy, you know, finding deals and another guy operating the deals. And then, you know, a bunch of people under that. But yeah, that, that may not, kind of a light bulb moment. And man, that book, just thinking of 10X is easier than 2X, this kind of goes along with that because when you're doing everything yourself and you own one small apartment building, maybe, and you want to do the next, it's just made me think, well, that's going 2X and you're doing everything yourself. You're doing all three of those parts versus if you're just doing one of those parts, it's, going to be a lot easier to go get 10 more because you're just doing that one part. And like you were saying, Joe, you're just doing the part that you're really gifted at. So it, yeah. it's easier to do that than try to do that thing and the other things that you're not gifted at. Yeah, that, that that's right. I mean, uh, I, I, I've seen that firsthand. Uh, I, I can tell you at the, in the very beginning, uh, a book that influenced me and it wasn't be the, the title of it you know, is Gary Keller's um, how to be a millionaire real estate agent, something like that. Okay. And yeah. I've never been, I've never been a real estate agent, yeah. like I, nor, nor will I ever be a real estate agent, but I read that book and I had one takeaway and that is um, hire an assistant as your first hire uh, because yeah. hi, hire someone who can handle those items that you don't need to be handling anymore and then continue to scale up. But that is that should always be your first hire. And uh, yeah. And so yeah, I, I've seen that. And I was actually just talking on the phone with someone an hour ago, and he is uh, in syndications, and he does a podcast three times a week. And he was talking to me like, hey, or he asked me how how do I get more investors? I said, well, you do a podcast three times a week. Uh, I have a seven day a week podcast, and uh, six of those seven days are uh, guest interviews typically and one day is you know uh, the host just talking so mm -hmm. six out of seven days there's a guest um so you've been in this case he's been doing his three-day week podcast for two years nice. i said well uh you've been doing your three-day week podcast for two years 
I've been, and I do six, I, I do my podcast, six uh, interviews, six days a week. Well, so every, every two years that you do your podcast, it's like you're, I'm getting four years of benefit to your two years because I'm doing twice as many. And yeah. so um, he, he thought about it. He's like, well, I need to hire an assistant and just bring, do, do a couple more interviews to like close that gap. Like, yeah, if you, if you want to go farther, faster, You've got to do, you know, Tony Robbins, right? You've got to take some massive action, but it's strategic action yeah. Yeah. because he, it's proven that the podcast that he has ha drives results for uh, what he's seeking. And okay. so he just needs to do more of it. And, yeah. and if I, if, if I had to start over again, um, I would do a twice daily podcast. I might, I would change up the format for sure, but it would be interview based and I'd find 700 guests a year. Wow. And yeah. I, I would, I would, I would. I would scale. I would. Well, I I would get after it. I don't know about scale. But I would get after it for a year, interview seven hundred people, and figure out a way to to make that work because you're immediately getting influence and reciprocity with seven hundred people, and it's it's. Uh, yeah, that's been my experience you, with the podcast. Yeah, they they talk about. I, I read it somewhere at the beginning. Do unscalable things, mm. and I'm a, I'm a believer of that. At the beginning of your business. It's okay to do unscalable things okay. because yeah. they serve as they serve as a foundation that you can build your business on. Yeah. Yeah, that's really I, I appreciate you saying that. I feel like it gives me permission because I feel like I'm still doing some of that stuff. So I, I appreciate you saying that. And then kind of want to build that out, Joe. And you mentioned that your first hire was um, you know, secretary. So I wanted to talk about that, Joe. As you as you got going, as you recovered from your first apartment um, investment, you know, and, and you were controlling, it was kind of a, uh, you know, a, a failure, a learning lesson for you. You found your partner, you started doing more of what you were gifted to do, let him do the other stuff, like operating the deal, stuff like that. Joe, as you got going, was there a, was there a phase? Cause I feel like I've, I've hit this wall kind of, and I've, I've talked to others that have where you, you still, you have a partner now and maybe you even got the assistant, but you get going and at least in, in apartment investing and as a syndicator, you don't get a lot of cash flow. That's that's how we're set up. And maybe other businesses are like this too early on where you're in it so much. It is, and I guess I'm kind of talking about that scaling. It's like going from maybe zero to 200 units or 300 units. You might be able to do that with a few people. And then you start to feel like, all right, we need to start hiring. We need to start building a team. We need to start building a real business, a grown-up business. You know, I need to act like a CEO more than a solopreneur, but maybe there's not a lot of cash flow. Um, so I've, I've heard some people say, or I, I, and I, sometimes it's just observing that some people will, will do this for three, four, five years and they sell a few and that gives them kind of this big influx. And then they can kind of go hire some people. Some people have their own investments and they were able to put enough of their own money in. So it does give them the cash flow. But if you just get into this business as a sponsor, at least it's kind of my experience and some others, it's tough. And I wonder if other businesses the same way, we're like, it's just tough with not being able to get that cash flow to kind of go make some of those hires. So did you have a point in your business like that, Joe? And maybe kind of, how did you get over that hump and, and, and get to that next level. You hire people who make you more money. Yeah. And okay. You hire them, you test. And if it works out great, they make you more money. If it doesn't work out, then you go your separate way. Uh, after your administrative assistant, uh, typically the next hire that will make you money because the administrative assistant frees you up. The next hire is director of acquisition. You can uh, you can immediately uh, or easily attribute a cause and effect. I pay sure. this much, they make me this much from uh, the acquisition of a, a property. Okay. So, um, the how I think about it is you live in Cincinnati. Yep. Um, 
so let's go with that. Uh, let's go with Cincinnati. I recognize the numbers I'm about to to throw out there uh, are not are, are totally market dependent. Sure. But let's just say a director of acquisitions uh, has a base salary of one hundred and twenty thousand dollars. Well, uh, that's ten thousand dollars a month that you are risking on this new hire, uh, not including any bonuses that he or she would make whenever they acquire a property. Right. Therefore, right. you uh, are are you do your research on the person. You make sure that they've done exactly what you're hiring them to do. Yeah. Uh, that's a mistake that a lot of people make. They hire people who, um, and if you're buying apartments, they hire people who um, have bought self storage. But now mm. they're hiring them to do apartments or they've bought an underwriter for a lender who knows underwriting apartments through and through, but they don't have connections to with the brokers or they don't have connections with the owners. So if you hire someone to do what uh, to do that job, uh, then they should already have experience doing that job. And so you're you're asking me if you're, uh, uh, you know, past the beginning stage, if you're in growth mode, but beginning growth mode. Uh, well, then you, you pay someone $120,000 salary, you risk $40,000. So that's four months worth of, of salary. Uh, and you train them, you get them up and running after a month and you see where, where they land after three more months. And so it's a risk of 40 K, but the reward, depending on what the acquisition fee is and, and what type of deals you're buying will, will be much greater when they buy one building when, yeah. when they when they find one building and then if you find more than one building even better if they find more than one building even even better so that's that's how i think of it okay okay and yeah because i mean just you know for some numbers yeah again more here in ohio wouldn't wouldn't necessarily make sense but the kind of the sandbox we play and we might buy a six million dollar um, apartment building and a two percent acquisition fee on that is 120 grand so if they can go find you one of those they just paid for themselves, right? For that, for that yeah. first year. So hopefully you would hope they could get you at least one of those a year. Um, so you gotta be ready for that. Yo, you're taking a $40,000 risk on them. I like how you put it that way. Is that something for you? Would you have that in the bank? Like with your company, would you have that ready to go? I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, 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 I wouldn't hire someone. Now this is my risk tolerance. Sure. Um, I wouldn't hire someone for 120,000 if I did not have $40,000 in the bank. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah, because that's just, yeah, it, it's, it doesn't mean you shouldn't, by the way, because, you know, burn the boats, baby, but sure. yeah, I, that I, is. I, I, per, I personally wouldn't do that. Yeah, that's good. It, it, so that, those would be your first two, the administrative assistant, um, director of acquisitions. Um, one takes some things off your plate so you can focus on the things that really move the needle. And then you hire someone that, you know, brings in the deals, which really helps the whole business move forward because uh, you need deals to do and then yeah. you're out there raising money it's good um and then joe it sounds like you know you i think for you to feel comfortable that you wanted to acquire more deals and go find money you needed to make sure you felt really comfortable that you were going to be able to operate those really well and that was your first partner to make sure you felt like yeah i've got that solid partner so when we do acquire when we do bring money and we're going to really be able to operate well that's right yeah that's right that's good joe um i want to transition a little bit because i just when I know I know your 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 busy podcast. Um, you know you guys have a, a, a big company now, a lot of assets. You do the conference and stuff like that. Um, but I also know you're a family man, Joe. And I always want to know, like, how are you? Um, you know, making sure you're maintaining your priorities as you stay busy. I guess uh, one way I ask is like, what's what's a key ingredient for making sure that you're you know while attempting to have success in the real estate investing world, you're also having success at home or the things that you know you would consider to be more important than your business. Uh. 
you've t- you've I, I know you've heard me talk about this before. I focus on integration, mm-hmm. so uh, not work life balance, but work life work life integration. Yeah, uh, to going on trips with family, business trips with family as much as possible. Uh, I'm also intentional about uh, what I do each week. Print out here, you probably can't read it, but it's uh you know five things that i do and you got like highlighter things here and it's one two three four five so it's five things i do five out of seven days of the week and um you know you know 10 minute meditation uh sweaty workout read a chapter one note proactively to someone acknowledging them but then another is 10 minutes of playtime with my daughter mm. and and yeah it's dedicated focus time and it's I, I I can count on one hand how many times it's been only 10 minutes because we go on family walks. We go on yeah. a walk in the morning together, um, but it's at least 10 minutes, five out of seven days of the week. So I'm um, integration and being intentional about it. Yeah. I love the idea of being intentional, Joe, because I mean, your day can get away from you, right? As you yeah. jump into it, um, you know, just uh, uh, what do they call it? The, the, um, the authority or, or the um, authoritarianism of, of the, of the needy or something like something feels like it, it needs done right now. And yeah. playing with your daughter maybe doesn't feel like it needs done right now, but it does uh, right. because it, it can just get away from me. And then you go days without doing it. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Yep. It's um. you know, I, I don't know if you can see, yeah, you can see behind me a little bit that countdown clock and the countdown clock. I used to say is my death clock, but now it's my 90th birthday clock. So it's a countdown uh, to my 90th birthday. I've got, <laughs> 17,944 days remaining eight eight hours 18 minutes and 41 40 39 38 seconds to go for my 90th birthday and it's a reminder that every every moment it matters and um you know I, I used to say time is the most precious resource that we have but then i read something in a book i think it was this 10x is easier than 2x and they, they, he talks about attention is our most precious resource because oh, where wow. we put, where, yeah. where we put our attention is where we how we spend our time, and that was a that was an interesting distinction of to me like where do I put my attention because that's ultimately where my time is going to be directed. So I'm intentional about yes. where I put my attention. Oh, so good. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, another countdown, Joe. Have you heard the 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 book? And I think it might be a podcast too. The 18 summers. You know, just thinking of your daughter that like I have. Yeah. Have 18, that's I a, think that's I read a scary that book. Scary yeah. countdown, isn't it? Just to think, right? Like how, oh, 18. When my, yeah. my, when my daughter's nine, when she hit nine, it was like such a gut halfway. punch. Like, I'm halfway there already. <laughs> oh, it's crazy. It goes so fast. But oh, this has been awesome, Joe. Um, hey, I know you're busy. We won't let you go, but just thanks so much for coming on and, and sharing and being so open about sharing. Um, Joe, is it just Ashcroft Capital? And well, and we'll we'll link uh, best ever uh, podcast and, and the conference and stuff like that in the show notes. But just Ashcroft Capital, people want to know more about specifically the investments that you guys are doing. Yes, that yep, ashcroftcapital.com. And then what I recommend is at the top right, go to investor perspectives. There's over 100 investor perspectives oh, wow. to invest with us. And I don't know any firm that has this number of um, testimonials and uh, from yeah. investors. Yep, yep. Yeah, if anybody... Newer investor says, you know, how do I decide? I'm always like, just talk to other investors. I, you know, you can, I'll tell you how great we are, but um, you need to go talk to other people that have done it. So that's awesome. Well, good, Joe. Hey, thanks so much, man. This has been really, uh, really helpful for me. Uh, I'm sure it has been for my listeners as well. So appreciate you carving out some time and coming on with us today. Hey, good talking to you. Awesome. Take care, Joe. Thank you for joining us for another great episode. 
I hope you'll take action on what you've learned today. If you enjoyed today's show, please consider leaving Lee a five-star rating and review. And check him out on threefoldrei.com. Until next time, 1 Timothy 6.17.